Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 Episode 19, it's called Heart of Glory. So full spoilers for the episode as always and we have a Klingon episode, we have a, a war focused episode, finally after 18 episodes of really yeah. not a lot of them, just kind of being there and in the kind background. Been around, yeah. yeah. It's funny because obviously we we at the end of the episode we we look at what the next one is and mm-hmm. the description talked about you know Ferengi ships and stuff yeah and I'm like technically that is true it's, it's, uh, it's, somewhat it's, misleading it's brought up um, for yeah. hell even the episode itself mentions Talerians because it's a Talerian ship they're on um, mm. and I've been informed that Talerians are pig like aliens so I'm sure we're going to see oh, them at okay. some point but. Uh, uh, yeah, so the, it's one of these episodes where they discover a ship and it's like something's happened here. It's mostly derelict. It's quiet. We have to investigate it. And they eventually find the three Klingons. And this is interesting because it's the first time I've actually met Klingons in this show outside of Worf. Mm. So how do we deal with him interacting with other Klingons? How do they feel about him being on a starship? And so on and so on. And these are all things we kind of get into in the episode. And we get some mythology. We even get some new Klingon stuff that's kind of separate to that even. Just like, how do they, you know, mourn their passing? How do they deal with death? Uh, That's something that's brought up in this episode. Something that I think may actually kind of contradict stuff that was on Discovery. I don't recall. I think there may have been... I feel I feel like there was like a completely different death like ritual or whatever on Discovery or something, or at least mentioned. I feel I feel like there's been some. some... I don't know. And I'm not blaming groups of Klingons, though. I'm not blaming this show for that though. I'm blaming Discovery for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying in Discovery, the Klingons, at least at the start, are a lot more separated into their family. Maybe they have like slightly different approaches. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. If you want to explain it that way, you could. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, that would work for me. I mean, maybe I am just writing an excuse, but yeah. Um. So we, uh, yeah, we have we have these and they're brought on board. Uh, I mean, to be honest, the first like five ten minutes is just like it's Data, Jordy, and uh, and Riker searching the ship, and it's a, it's yeah. a decent little you know sequence of them like kind of like creepily walking around the ship and looking through Jordy's visor. Looking into George's visor. At one point, Picard basically forgets they've got a mission because he's too, he's too enamored with the, this. Is what you see all the time, Jordy? Oh, this is fascinating. Tell me about this. Like, <laughs> yeah, how do you like, how, how do you make any sense? <laughs> I was like, well, I just do it this way. And, he's, and Raker's like, hey, Captain, I hate to interrupt, but we should probably get on. Especially like five <laughs> minutes later when they've been searching for the ship to the ship a little bit more, we find yeah. out there's like five minutes until the thing like just detonates and like collapses. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Picard, maybe we should let them get on with the job a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um. Have we had many examples before now of Data like just flat out having super strength? If you want to call it that, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you call it. He's a he's a robot, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I always assumed. Yeah, he had just because well, he's, he's you know it makes he's, sense. He's made out of some sort of metal alloy. But I don't know if we've had actually like a scene like this before where. It's like, yeah. okay, this, this door, because you know, Raker's about to phase it, and he's like, no, 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 you can't do that because of all the gases and stuff that's like creeping around. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, I'll I'll do it. And he's just it it feels like a natural follow-up. Was it last episode or the one before where he's dodging the lasers? Yeah, yeah, so naturally. So he's got dex and he's got strength. Yeah. He's the ultimate party he's member. He's full pie on himself. Uh, yeah, and your Dungeons & Dragons game, Data's got it all. He's got it all, baby. Yeah. Uh, so they fight the Klingons and they bring them on board. 
And Worf immediately is like, hey, can I come with you, Captain? He goes speak to them. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. What we're we doing here with, with Worf. And um, it, it does kind of delve slightly into, like, is Worf going to, like, side with them and want to betray the Enterprise? And Picard and Riker kind of muse the possibility that it's not so much they expect them to, it's just more like, just in case. <laughs> yeah. We won't necessarily, you know, say it, but. Um, it, we get some interesting mythology out of it, and ultimately, you know, this other Klingon ship shows up. It turns out everything they've said about fighting a Ferengi ship was a lie. It was actually they, they in this new world where the Klingons are at peace with the Federation, they are longing for the old days, and they're fugitives from from the Klingon Empire because they they want to run off and be proper as as they see it proper Klingons. So yeah. the Klingons chasing them are the Klingons that are at peace with the Empire, uh, the Empire, sorry, the Federation, the Empire. Stupid Star Wars terminology <laughs> sneaking into my, into my speech. I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy. I didn't even have to do anything this time. I feel dirty. I feel dirty. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're dying over there. The only people can't hear it, but he muted his mic there because he's coughing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the laugh just pain. triggered it. It's uh, right. leftover from this illness. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, so. <laughs> So yeah, so so yeah, so the Klingons are like hunting them because no, these these are you know basically like neo Nazis essentially. Not not that not that Klingons themselves view classic Klingons as Nazis, but kind of like they want to go back to the old ways. They they, they don't want uh, sure. this peace. They see this has been against their 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 core coding, and they try to convince Worf that you know, oh, because because actually one of the some backstory stuff for Worf this episode, yeah. he. Uh, is he he actually hasn't spent as much time as we thought with his fellow Klingons. He he was basically adopted at an early age because it's basically Michael's backstory from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, his family it, yeah. was was killed, and a human Starfleet officer uh, took him in and raised him. And he's even got a fo- you know a foster like uh, I think it was brother. He said uh, yeah. who presumably is human. So and he was raised on a on a farming colony. Yeah. So, uh, so Worf's got a, a very different, and I kind of like that, that. That that's why maybe Worf is more civilized with everyone else and maybe other Klingons we meet because he's actually been raised completely separate from them. Yeah. What was the phrase they used? You know, they said, oh, how, how young are you taking it? was before, like, the, the joining, the, the something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like it, some, some rite of passage. I, I was thinking of some sort of, like, I was kind of thinking of bar mitzvah kind of age. Yeah. From what you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was young. Uh, like, probably, like, single digits I- equivalent. I was still uh, thinking maybe 12, 13, but yeah. Fair enough. Um, I was I was thinking like you know eight nine, but I mean not that far apart really. Um, yeah. Well, I mean he speaks Klingon and he he, he still seems to, like, everything we've seen with Worf, he still seems to like know a lot about Klingons and and, and like he's yeah. he's not alien to them. So I was thinking more like Kara, you know, Supergirl, where she was old enough to still remember being on Klingon. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's why I was thinking around world. eight or nine. Like you know, it wasn't you know he he wasn't too young. Yeah. Um, so, so now we find that about, about Worf, and that's, it's, it's good to know, it's interesting. Um, yeah. and I, I like that we kind of have these three different versions of Klingons in this episode. We have Worf, who's maybe the most human in the sense that he's serving on Starfleet, he was raised with humans, and while he still obviously is very Klingon, compared to, you know, the actual humans, he, he is the most kind of, uh, I don't say civilized necessarily, but, you know, he's, he's the most at peace, whereas... Mm. You have the then next up. You have the actual Klingons who are chasing the the the, the fugitives who are still fully part of the Klingon world, the the, the Klingon you know empire or whatever. But 
you know, it's it's law and they're at peace with the Federation, you know, as was set up in Star Trek Six. So we have like the kind of the official line is, and that's the majority of Klingons now. But then you have these extremists who believe in the old ways, who are like full on Klingon and want to fight all the time and want to, you know, Which the, makes the, sense. the honor of battle and all the rest of it. So I, I'm liking from a mythology standpoint, we're kind of getting these because we're still in a sort of transition transition sort of period for Klingons where they're still relatively recent in the grand scheme yeah. of things. That they've been and at peace it's with the, the idea Empire, that it's or... not just Klingons as one entity, right? Yeah. It's you know there there are varying factions between them, in, you... in the same way there is uh, you know in, in all the other cultures and uh, well, humans, yeah, specifically. Well, that's because that's one of the things that uh, sci-fi can often because they don't usually have enough time to do it. Is that ultimately any alien species tends tends to just be boiled down to one type of thing. And I think because we've had so much Star Trek now, even just at this point, between three seasons of the original series and now a few movies and then, you know, season one of this, we're at a point now where the Klingons are well-developed enough that we have different types of Klingon and we, we clearly understand them and they're developed enough that we understand, you know, what, you know, where they're all coming from and why one's different from the other. And uh, it's the sort of thing where your human beings are so different. How many, how many like, religions, how many, you know, social classes, how many, like, you know, there's so many differences in human beings. And one of the things that you can criticize science fiction for a lot is that an alien race will boil down to one stereotype and that's it. And yeah. it's just, it's not necessarily a fault in the rain. It's just that you can only set up so much. You can only go into so much when you're, you're setting yeah, up. When a, you've got a two hour movie, yeah. you've, you've got to be tighter, haven't you? So I like that at this point, we're, we're at a point with Klingons at least where we have these dif differences. And I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me if we get to that point with Vulcans and we get to that point maybe with Ferengi and, you know, yeah. whoever else. And I'd, I'd argue maybe maybe even the Borg because of uh, is it Seven of Nine who becomes a main character on uh, Voyager, I think. Um, I'll tell you what for it. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Uh, so I like that element of it. I like the deepening of Klingons and no, they're not just a stereotypical one-off like Klingon you have in your head. It's like no, no, no. They are a complete race of people with differences in factions and different belief systems, and they're they're diverging. Yeah. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. this, this episode of Clark's obviously we got you know uh, they brought the Romulans again mm -hmm. because the the ship was in the neutral zone, and 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 because like Romulans I haven't heard about them in a while. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good point. You haven't. Not, neither have we. It was like season yeah. two of Trek, maybe. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> It was more of a just a hey, remember this? This is a thing. This exists. Yeah, um, which means I'm sure we're going to get to it at some point. It's funny, despite the fact that it's still very much standalone episodes. I do feel like Next Gen so far seems to be adhering to more of the the greater mythology, and and, and in so much of at least yeah. all all the stories that are taking place are adding to the tapestry as opposed to being. And there's some forgettable episodes, sure, but I feel like more often than the original series, we're getting like more plugins to like okay let's expand klingons let's, let's expand you know these new races for engage you know tolerian i would also say it feels more sequential mm -hmm. it, you, you know in, in since the original series i was obviously sure you can say this took place after this episode um but large portions of it you could watch in any order and, and it wouldn't really make any difference yeah for the most part there's a couple of things that i say you have to have towards the end because it feels yeah. like it feels like the the shared adventures have accumulated at that point. And, oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. There there are things there, but mostly that feeling's not there too much. Whereas here, I feel is doing a better job of. Obviously, we're still at the same status quo every episode. Yeah. At the end, but it feels like there, there's a little bit more character development per episode. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a great conversation with TV about how things developed to be more serialized. But the nineties were yeah. this transition period where you had shows that were doing um, full-on serialization like Babylon Five, and I think Deep Space Nine 
uh, also gets thrown into that. But you also mm-hmm. had uh, the transitioning shows, like the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where you had the overall plots, but you also had Freak of the Week episodes, and it was kind of a mix. And because I grew up watching shows like that, to me, that was the normal thing from my childhood yes. that I expected yeah. to be normal, where you have a season-long plot, but you have a lot of, you know, standalone episodes mixed in, and, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that was the norm for yeah quite a while. And I'm okay with that still being a thing. I feel, I feel like since things have went full-on serialization, very few of those have been attempted and the ones that have have not been that great necessarily there's there's some exceptions but um yeah i mean there's only a handful of ones done right now that i'd say are even worth watching out of what i've checked out yeah um i think something because even i zombie yeah even i zombie though turn it i mean it's got the case of the week usually but yeah i'd say that's the closest we have right at least the things i like (laughs) yeah yeah exactly things we like there's a difference um, but uh, that's that's pretty close uh, whereas maybe this is like a pre-transition period where it's just, it's just touching at it. It's just touching at the idea of the the ongoing mythology. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 poking there, and you know, last time we had the admiral being like, "Hey, there's something going on," and yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Maybe yeah. we'll come back to that eventually, right? But it's there now. It's in the back of our heads. Is oh, there's something. Um, you know, we're talking here about you know, the the world with the Klingons, you know, reminding us that the, the Romulans are out there, etc. You know, it it feels like it's quite fleshed out at this point. You know, yeah, most of a season in now. Yeah, I agree. Um, so so yeah, the the we have the Klingons with Worf, and they're kind of testing them and prodding at them. They find out about his backstory, and they kind of ask him to show show them around the ship, which felt a bit sketchy to me. <laughs> I was like, Worf, maybe question security measures here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually I really liked when when they're first coming aboard, uh the first beaming aboard from the other ship and Picard says to Tasha, take a security detail down for them being there. And before she goes and obviously one that just shows that he's like, just in case they are going to be hostile, let's make sure we're, we're being safe. But the second thing he says to her is uh in uh, you know, Lieutenant Yard you know what you're dealing with here, right? And I like the idea that combat with the Klingons has been kind of rare for a while because it has been like, you know, 60, 70 years of peace. Yeah. But it's kind of like, hey, when Klingons are in fighting mode, like, you know, you, you've maybe not dealt with this before in your career, Tasha, because, you know, you, obviously you've just been active for, you know, 10 years or whatever it's been. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I, th- I thought that was interesting. It was like, hey, if, if, those, if those Klingons are ready to fight, this is different from anything you've probably ever fought before. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it was a nice touch. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, and sure enough, they, they get detained when they find out they're fugitives. There's a scene where the, the, the Tasha and the, the security detail company you know, apprehend them, and Worf is kind of caught in the middle, because Picard makes the choice not to tell Worf in advance. He just sends the team after them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, there's nothing really to suggest that Worf even is actually considering even turning his back on the Enterprise, but it's just kind of people are thinking he might, and the Klingons think they might convince him. But it's not necessarily, like, even though we get ending this, this sort of cliffhanger moment for the ad break, where it's a close-up of Worf's face and the music ramps up, it's like, you know, which side will Worf pick? I don't know yeah. if in his head he's ever actually, like, w- you know, weighing it up and no, going... I, I don't think from Worf's perspective he ever is, but yeah. I think it works because the rest of the crew are thinking it. Yeah. Um... So it, it's not so much that we're, we're going, oh, is Worf thinking it? We're, we're kind of with the crew. And there's a neat trick yeah, here as well, sense. where uh, the the turbo lift behind them opens, and this little girl runs out from her mother, and the Klingon dude like picks her, you know, picks her up, and Tasha's like, "Bridge, we've got a hostage situation," and Worf is just kind of like, "Come on here, you know, without saying anything, here, give me the kid," yeah. <laughs> and he takes the kid and gives it gives her back to her mother, and 
this scene plays really well because it's kind of like, oh, that kind of deflated the tension and maybe showed that Worf was on was never, you know, going to turn his back on the Enterprise. Yeah. And Tasha clearly thinks that as well. And she says, oh, I thought we almost had a situation there. And Worf says, no, that's not our way. We don't take hostages. We're Klingon. Like, that, that's a coward thing to do. Yeah, yeah. That, she was never in danger. Yeah. Um, but I, I like what that that scene does because, like, I think you still feel relief when Worf, like, takes the kid because you're like, okay, Worf's not going to harm the kid, obviously. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I like it because it kind of subverts your expectations saying, hey, no, you don't understand their culture here. You're making assumptions and Worf's like, no, 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 there was never a problem because that's just not how Klingons operate. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. And it, and it wasn't like Tasha was... Because was, Tasha's assumption is completely fine. Like, there's nothing weird about her assumption here. The, the Klingon picks up a kid and she's like, shit, he's got a hostage. If, if anything, it just shows she doesn't know enough about Klingons. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not like... It's not like she's assuming the worst about someone. She knows he's a fugitive. He picks up a kid when when he's about to be arrested. Yeah. Like you know, the, the, like if this was a human being, she'd assume the same thing. No, no, she would. Yeah, I'm saying if anything, she didn't know. It, it, she was ill-informed too much that that she didn't realize that that this wasn't actually mm. the the way the situation should have been read. Uh, she she was reading it as if it was a human. Yeah, exactly. Um. So they, they, they put them in the, the, the detention, but of course they've got like hidden parts of guns hidden in their shoes and they assemble a little, little laser rifle and, you know, break their way out. Uh, one of them gets killed. Actually, credit to the red shirts, you know, in spirit, of course, they're not actually wearing red. They put up a red. bit of a fight, didn't they? They put up a bit of a fight. They actually take out, because there's two Klingons here, they take mm. out the second one. Uh, but the first one obviously puts them, puts them down. So two of them die, but the second one, to his credit, actually takes out a Klingon first. Uh, so it doesn't feel like just a full-on red shirt moment. It feels like, no, you, you know, you went for it. And it, it kind of ends up in this this kind of uh, situation where the Klingon gets into the, you know, where the the main the thing in my bob is the drive crystals. Yeah, the, the lithium crystal engine yeah. the thing my jig <laughs> all the angry star trek they're going to be typing it in the comments so this is what it's called <laughs> techno bubble bit <laughs> um then uh it's like hey he can he can literally destroy the ship, ship from in there all he has to do is fire his phaser into the the drive and it's like okay Worf, you go in you go in and talk to him um and you know it, it escalates and Worf has to take him out uh, he tries to talk him down, but it doesn't work, and he has to take him down. Mm. Uh, and it's also notable that Worf tries to like plead in their case as well. Uh, when the the, the other Klingon ship gets close enough and they're they're on video call, he's like, "Hey, can I talk to him, Captain? I'd like to try and appeal." And Picard's like, "Yeah, granted." Um, and to Worf's credit, every time he goes off book in this episode, he asks for permission before he does. He does, yeah, absolutely. every single time. Uh, and he goes up to the, you know, he, he pleads for his life. He says, hey, send them to this planet. Let them sort of live out their days in peace uh, you know, as a warrior, as they want to. Uh, they don't necessarily, because this 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 feeling they have, this drive they have, I, I do feel it as well, kind of. Like, obviously, I, I'm I'm overcoming it, but I can I, I do sympathize because I feel it deep down. And, you know, the Klingon on the other end, you know, the commander is like, yeah, we all do. But yeah, it's like, yeah, let, let them die with weapons in their hand. Don't just execute them. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, we all feel that way, but we all have to go over it. And that kind of leads to what Worf says in the scene with the, with the, what's his name actually, the lead Klingon that we're dealing with, uh, uh, Conmol, Lieutenant Conmol, uh, who actually, I, I glanced on uh, Wiki and I was looking this up afterwards. The actor playing him plays like 10 different Star Trek characters over the next like 10 years. <laughs> ah, one of those. Yeah. I'm pres I presume that he's a different alien every time though. So we yeah, don't it's mostly him. in makeup. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, he's like, hey, no, like true, true strength is like, being able to suppress those, it's overcoming those desires. It's having honour as well on top of just the glory. You can't just, you know, you have to have, what you're doing is dishonourable and what you're doing is discrediting 
uh, your your what you see is this noble soldier act. Um, yeah, it's a, it a really interesting mythology episode, especially you know obviously for the Klingon specifically and for Worf as a character. Uh, and it, it, the episode ends with him saying to Picard, like, I have no intention of leaving the Enterprise. I never did. Yeah, because uh, the, the other Klingon basically goes, hey, after you finish your tour of duty with the Enterprise, yeah, you're welcome to come join us. Yeah. And he says, oh, thank you very much. You know, I will keep that in mind. And, or whatever he says. And Picard and Raker are looking at him. He's like, I was just being polite, Captain. <laughs> yeah. And then he walks away and he makes this point of turn around and saying, no, seriously, Captain, I have no intention of leaving the Enterprise. And obviously Picard says, yeah, the, the bridge wouldn't be the same without you. But do you, do you, again, Joe, I like about that moment. It's a s- simple little thing. It's not just that he he says to them, I was just being polite. He's self-aware enough to realize a second later that he really needs to emphasize it. Like, he, he's, that wasn't yeah. enough to really put them yeah. at ease. And he, he does. Uh, so, that's yeah, a pretty good episode. Huh? <laughs> this is uh, one of the best. This is one of the best of the season, for sure. I like this one quite a bit. It's only because uh, in, in terms of its uh, purpose, you know, being the backstory episode. It's very similar to you know, we had a Picard one, we've had a Data one more mm-hmm. recently. Uh, this is probably the best of those because uh, it didn't feel like just his exposition about this character's backstory, which it, the Data one especially did. Yeah, I, I, think um, it's, I think partly it's because we have this interesting idea of like, oh, how do other Klingons see, see Worf? How do they feel about him being on a starship? Yeah. How do they feel about, you know, like, there was a lot of interesting like drama in there. That we've not really had a, had a chance to see before, yeah. uh, and that made it really interesting. So, yeah. it was a good one. This it was good. Yeah. And also another point: uh, when Jordy looks at Data, he sees like an aura around him, and is surprised to learn when Picard says, uh, "Yeah, we don't all see an aura around Data," because because he, he says, "Of course, I see an aura around. Him. He's an android." And, and Picard's like, well, "Do you think we see an aura around him?" Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "You don't, man. <laughs> humans with eyeballs are weird." <laughs> It's not wrong. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of good little things. I mean, obviously the big stuff, the mythology stuff's really good, but there's a lot of little moments where mm-hmm. I like how they handle just these little beats where Worf, you know, reiterates it again at the end and it feels natural. It doesn't feel like he's just like repeating his point or yeah, just little things with Jordy's eyesight or little things with uh, the, the death ritual. and Because uh, you know, Data points out that that's the first time, as far as they know, is that anyone's ever seen this that's not a Klingon or the first time that humans have seen it yes. at least uh, that's also interesting so mm. uh, and a, a lot of detail I like the first time they do that when the third Klingon they bring aboard dies because he's already injured and they're doing this little ritual when the two Klingons start uh, like sort of howling into the you know into the sky as it were Worf takes a second he, he kind of looks at them doing it first and then like sort of like realizes he should also do it he doesn't yeah. he, he doesn't instinctively do it together with them and again it's a little detail I liked it was like yeah he, he's a Klingon but he's clearly not necessarily as accustomed to all the rituals and yeah so. it, it's obviously something he remembers but mm. it wasn't um it wasn't just a reaction for him to do it yeah it, it was it was that thing where uh I, I remember being in school and you'd have to go to this stupid like service and Easter or whatever and like everyone would stand up to sing the stupid song and I'd be like not paying attention and everyone would stand up and I'd be a second like, oh I'm standing up now okay <laughs> yeah when, when to stand sit kneel in church oh well it was not kneeling it wasn't a catholic thing but yeah yeah yeah, but I get the feeling the idea yeah. of oh, oh, uh, oh yeah it's that one. Oh, yeah. oh it's time for that yes yes yeah um Yes, and then obviously you're just moving your mouth when they're singing. You don't, you don't, you don't know what you're singing. You just like, man, 
Oh, I can tell you're not singing. It's fine. <laughs> I, I was always in the orchestra, so I never had that problem. <laughs> you were behind. You were behind them. You didn't have to pretend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we were off in the corner, just sat there going, "Just we, we don't have to take part in this." You were you were too busy. You were too busy blowing into an instrument. No, it's bowing. Oh, you were violin. Yes, right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Be having to pretend to sing. That's true. Yeah. No. The. the, the yeah. No, no, yeah. I mean. I mean. Theoretically, the violinist could sing while they're playing violin, but I don't imagine it's easy. <laughs> no. No, it wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> and also, I, mean, I didn't have to do any lessons those days because you know there'd be like different services for different. Oh yeah, parts I used of the to. School. I used to be in the, the the school swing band for the uh, the Christmas shows and that. So the, for the two days before that show, I'd get to skip all the classes. And I used yeah, to, I, yeah, and I used to be on the stage crew as well. So I'd have I'd have rehearsals for the performances, yeah. and then I'd have rehearsals for we'd do the, the full run, so that we'd be, we'd be like practicing, running out with the equipment, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, this was because obviously the church, you know, the you know the, the the hall wasn't big enough for the whole school at once, so it'd be split up. Oh, uh, we had and this then, huge, yeah. uh, not a cathedral, but it was it was a really big church for for the Easter thing. Oh right, okay. No, so we didn't. We just. You know, we we had a, we had just a, like a priest come in and, and do it in in the hall, but it wasn't big enough. So you you'd have literally like five services over the day to cover the school. This wasn't. So, a, I mean, this was literally just Christmas and Easter. We did this. This was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe the end, though, maybe like, the end of the year as well. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the Easter one, obviously, it's the the most topical right now. We've last last couple of years, though, I got a, I got I got a note saying I was an atheist, so I didn't have to go. <laughs> so what did you do for an hour? Went home. <laughs> Oh, was it the last thing of the day? Yeah, it was always it was always, always after lunch at the uh, end of the day. Right, okay. See, because that's the thing, because obviously mine was split up, so it was, you know, there'd be the youngest students would have it first thing in the morning, and the oldest would have what it. What do you mean? What did you end. do for it? Did you not never have free periods in high school? Uh, no, not not until you were uh, over sixteen. Oh, my my last year of high school had I, I had like days where I had like two out of six periods of actual stuff to do. No, no, no. My school split into five hour long periods and. Uh, had something every hour and five the periods at least 16 yeah madness five hour long ones and then a half hour break and then a 35 minute break no lunch hour what madness is this no no just that but i mean i imagine we might have finished a little bit earlier than you based on this if we only had five lessons and short break uh maybe but i mean I don't know, weird Catholic school nonsense. Um, yeah. That's been Star Trek, though. <laughs> that has been... Uh, yeah. What's uh, next time? A pretty solid episode. What's that? What's next time? Oh, yeah, what's next time? Yeah, we do that then, don't we? Uh, episode uh, 20, which we'll be doing next time, is called The Arsenal of Freedom. It's a good title. Is this because you like is... Arsenal, the football team? God, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I I think because Arsenal implies array of weaponry, Ooh. but freedom. So you know, mm. there's this this irony. I recognise an actor in this. Just okay. from the image. Hmm. I'll save my reference for next time. But he oh, was on. For God's sake. He was on something. <laughs> was he on a hit television series? Oh, he was. <laughs> he was, baby. Uh, so the Enterprise encounters a planet long dead, but technical equipment still functions for the purpose of. Selling off its arsenal along with self sufficiency. Who's selling it then? It's <laughs> a good question. We'll find out in a week's yeah, time. I'm actually not sure what that, what, that, what that means exactly, but we'll find out next time. Uh, yeah. I don't but, know if it sounds good or bad, though. There's an image of Raker hiding behind a bush. I'm in. 
Yeah, that should be good. Uh, ratings similar to this week, though? Yes, but it's one decimal point down again. Honestly, I think this one was much more than one decimal point up from last week, because I remember last one oh. only... Because last episode was a 7.2 average rate, and this one's 7.3. I think this one was significantly better than last last episode, but, you know. I think 7.3 is probably fair for this episode. I think the last one was a bit higher than it should have been. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give this a good solid 7.5. Yeah. I think. 7.5. Maybe an 8 and a push. I don't know. I, I think it's probably an 8 for this season's standards, but if I look at the, the, the show as a whole, once we get to good, good episodes, this is probably a 7.5. <laughs> We're we're assuming and hoping. Yeah, well, I've heard really good things about yeah various things. Uh, so uh, that is a heart of glory. So let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below. Like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates. If you want to support the channel and the show and everything we do here, you can head over to patreon.com slash mailfuzztv where you can support us for as little as one dollar per month. You get some stuff early, including these Star Trek reviews. Uh, you get some bonuses and exclusives every month. Uh, but you can, you know, feel nice and fuzzy inside for for supporting us. Um, and check out other stuff we do. We we have uh, other classic TV reviews. I mean, I I am casually working through Babylon Five on my own. Uh, me and Tara do classic Twilight Zone stuff. Um, and then of course you know check out our movie reviews and comic book stuff and everything else we do because there's a lot but um, but that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching Star Trek and to everyone but Connor live long and prosper <laughs>